Pastor Xavier Reese on sharing the simple truth. If you and I are believers, we're the only ones that know the absolute truth of the Lord's coming in judgment. You and I know what is going to happen. You and I can communicate this as God opens those doors. We force nobody. We pray. We wait for the right opportunity. When that door opens up, I'm coming through. I'm going to share with all the love of the Lord the truth of God's Word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, you wouldn't think much of a carpenter who didn't build, or a teacher who wouldn't teach, or a delivery man who didn't deliver. What about an ambassador who didn't effectively represent his nation? Well, did you know Christians are to act as Christ's ambassadors, spreading the word of our redemption, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5? As Pastor Xavier continues a study of Enoch the prophet, we'll see how this man who never died provides an example of what it means to live and share our faith. Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. The message is entitled, The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch. He robbed the grave from physical death. And so we want to examine three truths about this man's life that we might see what God has to say about him. And the sermon's going to be a little different than my usual. I'm going to take my text here in Genesis for the first truth, but then we're going to look in the New Testament for the next two truths, okay? So here's the three truths. First of all, Genesis 5, 18 through 24, the man Enoch walked with God. This is the revelation. He walked with God. Notice first that Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was 162 years, verse 18 tells us, when he begot Enoch. Now, notice verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. The man Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah. The man Methuselah is the longest living man, as opposed to his father Enoch, who never died. Two extremes, father and son. Now, look at verse 22 and 23. Enoch repented and got saved after Methuselah's birth. Enoch walked with God for 300 years after he begot Methuselah. Something dramatic happened in this man's life. It changed his life forever. The word walk means to traverse or to move. It speaks of having a direction in life and moving uh, towards a destination. When you're walking, you're, you know where you're going. You're not just meandering. He walked with God. The word speaks of a life of godliness also. In fact, in Genesis 6, 9, it says Noah was a just man perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. There was a decision that was made. There was a critical point in time, a watershed. Just like in your life and mine, there came a point where you heard the gospel and you made a decision. Are you going to keep on walking and living the way you're living and walking? Or are you going to turn to God and depend upon him to change your life? You made that decision. In verse 23, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. A relatively short span in comparison to the catalog of chapter 5. But... A full life with God, a life with purpose. There's a difference. Now look at verse 24. Enoch was removed from the earth then. The process of his life is declared for the second time. Don't miss it. He walked with God, giving emphasis to the practice. Whenever the Bible says something once, mark it. When it says it twice, pay real close attention to it. It's emphatic. He walked with God. Listen, he never looked back. 
His name, Enoch, means dedicated, which he lived up to. He chose to walk away from the course of the world and to turn to the living God. He chose to believe God rather than the ensnarements of the world's deceptions of that day. He chose to believe that a full life with God was better than a long life without God. He chose to believe that after his life, there is a judgment. Many people don't believe that. Many people believe, well, I'll just, you know, fizzle out and that's it. No, I wish that was it. That isn't it. It's real basic. And you must communicate this to people. They have eternal life. All they can do is choose where they're going to spend it. Whether you live apart from God now or you walk with God. That will determine through the person of Jesus Christ. The revelation about the man Enoch was that he walked with God. That's the revelation. In the midst of a corrupt generation, it is possible. That's what he's telling us. No excuses. Now notice, secondly, we have to go to Jude. And that's right before the book of Revelation. Little epistle, one chapter. The ministry of Enoch was a prophet. This is the second truth. This is the interpretation. The New Testament always interprets the old. Always remember that, okay? Verse 14 to 16 says, Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And so, notice first, Enoch was a prophet of God. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. The prophet of God was the mouthpiece of God, as you know. He revealed the mind and the will of God. He rebuked and called people to repentance, sinners. Many people think that a prophet's primary function was to speak future things. It is not. The primary function of a prophet was to be the mouthpiece of God to reveal the will and the mind of God to a sinful people to return. Then at times, God would give revelatory visions or dreams or straight revelations of future events. But that was the exception. That was not the rule. The rule was he was God's representative. Very important. Notice verse 14 at the end and 15. Enoch prophesied about the Lord's second coming for judgment, being the seventh from Adam. It prophesied about the men also, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all those who are ungodly among them, and all their ungodly deeds, and they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If Judah had not qualified his judgment about the second coming of Christ, we would have interpreted this judgment to mean the antediluvial judgment that destroyed the entire world, except for Noah and his wife and his sons and daughter-in-laws. But he identifies the judgment. Here you have Enoch, the seventh from Adam, and he prophesied about the second coming. <laughs> the second coming of Jesus Christ in judgment. The first judgment had not fallen yet. He's prophesying about the second judgment to come. Jude here tells us that Jesus is coming with 10,000 of his saints, his bride, at the second coming of 
with a purpose, to execute judgment on all, those who are on the earth at his return at the end of the great tribulation. We just finished the book of Revelation. It should be fresh in your mind. Notice verse 16. Enoch describes the individuals who fall under God's judgment. He just gives us a brief list. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Those who grumble, meaning complaining at one's lot, quarrelous, discontented. Why did God put me here? I don't know why God did that. I'll never take an accountability for your own life. Our generation is, is, is known for that. Nobody wants to take responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. Those who walk according to their own lusts, which means self-willed desires, cravings, longing for what is forbidden. Always that compromise. Always that, well, you know, did God really mean that? I mean, you know, we're all human, aren't we? And, and we rationalize and we, we explain the way and we justify. Well, you don't understand what she did. And, you know, if you had her as your wife, you would understand. Well, I didn't marry her. You did. Um, you know, I mean, you've you got to take accountability. You understand? And you say, Lord, now you've got to give me wisdom for the life I have chosen for myself at this point. And then grace turns ashes into beauty. Those whose words are great swelling. Those who flatter people in order to gain advantage of them. They are opportunists. They're liars. Hypocrites. Deceivers. One day, as you know, Ahab gathered himself 400 false prophets to see if they would be able to tell him he was going to be victorious in the battle. But King Jehoshaphat was with him, and he had no business to be with him. But Jehoshaphat felt a little uneasy, so he said, well, do you have another prophet over here? He says, yeah, Micaiah, but you know, Micaiah don't like him. He's always prophesying bad against me. He says, well, let's ask him what the heck. So the prophet went to get Micaiah. Micaiah is there, and he says, hey, listen, Micaiah, come on, don't blow it. All the prophets are saying, man, he's going to have victory. Just go out there, you know, just go along with it. He goes, hey, whatever the Lord tells me, I'll do. So Micaiah went out there, and he started saying, oh, yeah, go, go, you'll be victorious. And, he, and the king could see that he was mocking him. He said, hey, how many times have I told you to tell me the truth? He says, all right, listen up. Boom, you're dead. The king of Israel said, take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, thus say the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. Then Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all you people. Second Chronicles 18. Oof. You and I are the people of God. You and I can tell people with certainty what is going to happen. No one else knows except the Christian. Micaiah didn't do it with the smack of the lip. You're dead. Whenever we declare the judgment is coming, we do it in compassion that people might escape it. That they not continue to go down that road. Any Christian who smacks his lip at the thought of people perishing... He's unbiblical. It should always be with the compassion of a broken heart. You want them to escape the judgment to come. You and I as believers are the Lord's witnesses to this lost world. That's why Jesus gave the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen.
If you and I are believers, we're the only ones that know the absolute truth of the Lord's coming in judgment. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, and that's the day of judgment, the day of the Lord, tribulation period, so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that they should overtake you as a thief. You and I know what is going to happen. You and I can communicate this first to our family members, to our friends, to our co-workers, to strangers, as God opens those doors. We force nobody. We pray. We wait for the right opportunity. A fisherman who's a true fisherman, he's patient. He waits. We're to be such. God opens those doors. But when that door opens up, I'm coming through. I'm going to share with all the love of the Lord, very succinctly, very, very clear, very, very uncompromising. That may make you uncomfortable, which is kind of good in a way, because then you have to make some judgments. You and I as believers are the only ones who can speak forth the truth of God's word, being the mouthpiece of God then, like the prophets of old. We have the word of God. We know the will of God. We know the plan of God. We know what's going to happen. 1 Timothy 6, 12, Paul put it this way. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How are you doing as a witness, a prophet for the Lord? Speaking forth the word of God. The interpretation about the ministry of Enoch was that he was a prophet. He was faithful to that ministry. The third truth, we find back some books over the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. And the third truth is that the message of Enoch was that he lived a life of faith. Let me read 5 and 6 here, Hebrews 11. This is the hall of faith, by the way. All these men who live by faith of the Old Testament. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. This is the application. We've looked at the revelation in Genesis. We've looked at the interpretation in Jude. Now we have the application. It must come down to my life. Information and knowledge does me no good if it doesn't change and affect my life. Notice Enoch was a man of faith, verse 5. Faith is always based on what God has revealed to man. That's why we have the word of God. The acknowledgement that there is a God. Real basic to begin with. The submission to the will of God and the dependency on the strength of God to do the will of God. We're dependent on him. Faith is not one's own ability to believe hard enough. It's not positive thinking. It's not mind over matter. Biblical faith is not natural. Biblical faith is imparted by God to the believer. And biblical faith is embraced by man, the believer. But it is God who's doing it. And faith is not just saying, I believe in God. 
Devils believe, but there will never be one devil in heaven. Devils tremble at least. Man don't tremble. <laughs> Devil doctrines always reason or rationalize away compromise and judgment. Oh, did God really say you'll die? Does that really? I mean, he's a God of love. How do you think God can, you know, look how good you've been. Look all the stuff you've done. Look all the money you've given. Look at, you've helped little old ladies across the street. You look at you've done, you know, all this stuff. Satan doesn't want people to grab a hold of the truth. See the chasm that there is between God and man. Notice Enoch was translated due to his faith then. Enoch was taken from the earthly scene and removed to the place of comfort. Hades or Sheol. Hades in the Greek, Sheol in the Old Testament. Jesus gave us that in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Prior to the cross, everybody went to the place of comfort or torment. That's not made known till the New Testament. The place of departed spirits. Enoch, which means dedicated, is a constant reminder to each of us to be dedicated to walk with God on a daily basis. One day at a time. Enoch is a picture to each of us of eternal fellowship with God. That you are walking with God now, and that if the Lord should take you today, you just keep on walking with God. Nothing really changes except location. You understand? That's all that changes. Your location. Enoch is a clear reminder that we are strangers and pilgrims upon the earth, as 1 Peter 2.11 says. We're just walking through. And right now, I, I can see more ground behind me than before me. <laughs> I'm almost all the way through. <laughs> Notice also Enoch did not see death by faith. Enoch is the first of two in the entire scripture who did not die physically. The other one is Elijah in 2 Kings 2. That's why it is believed as when we went through the book of Revelation that the two witnesses in Revelation 11 are Enoch and Elijah. They have not died physically. They are the primary candidates for it. Now, Physical death is a separation of the spirit from the body and to be clothed with the new body, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. If you would die right now and you're a Christian, you would be instantly present before the Lord. Now, you wouldn't go to Sheol or Hades because Jesus descended to the lowest part, scooped up those dead, and took them to heaven. He opened up the gates of heaven. The minute you die, you're instantly present. If you don't know the Lord, then you're instantly separated from God. In torment, the Bible says. Waiting for the white throne judgment. Thousand years after the coming of Christ. After the millennium. Now spiritual death is a separation of man from the presence of God. For all eternity in utter darkness. In that place of Gehenna and the lake of fire. The second death. Revelation 20 verse 14 through 15. The second death. The Christian dies one and is born twice. The non-believer, he's born once and he dies twice. Physical and eternal, spiritually. Notice Enoch was translated by God by faith then. This is the promise of Jesus to his disciples the very night before he was betrayed in John 14, 1-3. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places or mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. 
And if I go, I go to prepare a place for the where I am, there you may be also. And if I go, I will come back, listen, and receive you to myself. That's the rapture. That's not the second coming for judgment. The promise of escaping. This is the blessed hope for the church. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13. The blessed hope. This is the meeting of our loved ones in the clouds who have died before us. And we are raptured to the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. And we meet the Lord and our loved ones in the air. And we will be with them forevermore. Notice Enoch had a testimony of faith then. That was pleasing to God before he was translated. He walked with God. He willed to do the will of God. He worked the works of God. He worshiped God. He was welcomed into the presence of God. The man for 65 years lived like a pagan. And the next 300, he never looked back. <laughs> That's good. And so in verse 6, it says that Enoch left us the principle of life with God. Listen to it. It is impossible to please God apart from faith, trusting God's revelation from, of himself and man. I have to believe what God has revealed about himself, about man, and about judgment. Faith is always based on the revelation of God, not my opinion. It's objective truth. Not subjective for personal interpretation. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the creator, the redeemer of mankind, the eternal God. That he is. And that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him according to faith in the revelation and obedience to that revelation. For he sees the heart and rewards accordingly. He sees everything. He knows everything. It's all based on faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by the revelation of God, one who is greater than us, one who has died for us, one who is with us. Faith is believing the whole counsel of God wholeheartedly, with all trust and confidence in what God has revealed. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. God's revelation. You and I are called to a life of faith. Nothing less than that. Nothing more. In fact, Paul puts it succinctly this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My faith is in the Son of God, Galatians 2.2, who loved me and gave himself for me. He's the one. This Bible speaks of only one person, Jesus Christ. And he's the one that guides and directs our life. And so the application of the message of Enoch was that he lived a life of faith. Here you have three great truths regarding this man. The revelation about the man Enoch was that he walked with God. The interpretation about the ministry of Enoch was that he was a prophet. The application of the message of Enoch was that he lived the life of faith. So we have to end up with the message. Has the message gotten through to me? Am I living the life of faith? If I am, I will escape death, either by rapture or instantly present with the Lord. Either way, I win. 
But the evidence of that is that I'm walking with God now by faith. Not by sight, not by feelings, not by emotions, but faith. Pastor Xavier Reese closes with a reminder that a life walking with God is a life living by faith. And today's message, The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what we heard the last time we were together as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch. Or simply mention today's date when you contact us. Ask for yours today. Now, here's how to reach us. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Despite Enoch being taken by God, Scripture says, For it is appointed for men to die even if it takes some 969 years. We'll see next time. The simple truth is, no one gets out of here alive. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 